Golden Spiral Media presents The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. really nice of Tony and Joe to invite us over for some wicked ales and cider. I am so excited. How was your flight? Well, it wasn't too bad, you know. I hear that uh, these wicked ales, they're so intense that your face melts off and then bugs and snakes crawl out of it like in Halloween 3. That is awesome. Tony, Joe, we're here. Where are they? Oh, look. A note. Hmm. Dear Corey and Ruthie. Oh. Sorry we couldn't be there to enjoy some wicked ales and ciders with you, but we have gone in search of unknown things that cannot be explained. Hmm. Mysterious. Yeah. Take care of the show while we're away, and please tell the listeners that we will address their feedback when we return. Thanks, Tony and Joe. Hmm. Hey, did you watch this week's episode of Constantine, Ruthie? Well, it just so happens I did. Oh, all right then. Well, let's grab some drinks and we'll get started then. Oh, wait, there's a postscript. P.S. There is no such thing as wicked ale or cider. Hmm. Damn it. Yeah, I didn't really want any anyway. Let's get going. Okay then. Grab a mic. All right. Well, it just so happens I see some mics here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. I am Corey, co-host of Triplecast and 12 Monkeys Uncaged. And I'm Ruthie, co-host of The Walking Dead Talk Through. Unfortunately, Joe and Tony cannot be here, so we are jumping on board to discuss the latest episode of Constantine, Season 1, Episode 10, titled Quid Pro Quo. Joe and Tony will return, at which point they will be getting into any and all of the feedback that you guys have supplied, so I guess we should kick off the show with some news. Hi, I'm Daryl Darnell. I'm Mark Decote. And I'm Mandy Wickert. We're, We're the hosts, hosts of Stuff, Stuff I, I Learned, Learned Yesterday. yesterday. Stuff I Learned Yesterday is a podcast that aims to encourage, inspire, challenge, motivate, and improve the lives of those who listen. Silly, as we like to call it, is released Monday through Friday, and each episode ranges from 5 to 15 minutes long. The three of us take turns recounting short stories based on real events and lessons we've learned. We end each week with our Friday Forum. It's filled with inspirational and motivational thoughts submitted by our amazing listeners. So subscribe today and let us inspire and motivate you. You can find us by visiting StuffILearnedYesterday.com. And remember, if you aren't learning, you aren't living. All right, so we have the numbers for Constantine this week, and it seems to have sprung back, Ruthie. Yeah, I I saw that too. It's awesome. Last week they had a bit of a, a, a down in the new time slot, the 8 p.m. time slot. But in its second week of the new earlier 8 p.m. time slot, Constantine 
grew week to week by 0.1 of a point, or plus 13% in the coveted adult 18 to 49 rating, and increased an overall 14% in viewers to take it up to 3.479 million viewers. So that's, awesome. that's yeah, that's really good. I, you know, I think a lot of people might have been confused about the time slot going from 10 to 8. That's what I was thinking. Maybe they just had to find it again or something. I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or something. But this does mean that it delivered its most watched episode since November 21st, where it got 3.541 million at Ooh. the 10 p.m. time slot. But it will also add a substantial audience via time shifting, having increased so far this season by an average of plus 79% in the 18 to 49 rating, which is more than 1.8 million viewers. So that takes it from 3.4 million to 5.3 million viewers overall. So nice. that is really good. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I mean, I know that people have talked about this before, and I think maybe Joe and Tony have talked about it before, about, you know, their concerns about it moving to the 8 o'clock time slot, or maybe it was someone else. But I know I heard someone say something about it doesn't matter as much about the time anymore because people kind of, with the DVR and all that jazz, people kind of watch TV when they want to and to fit their schedule. So if you don't want the kids to be awake, you can wait until they're asleep to watch your show. So Exactly. And at the same time, if people did miss last week's, that would have been really, really unfortunate because we know that there was a bit of a, a, a downsize in, in viewership last week's episode. And that was part two of it, like a two-parter thing. And, and it was coming back from the, the mid-season hiatus. So I think a lot of people, even if they did miss it, they must have sorted out and then come back for yeah. this uh, second episode from the hiatus, which is, you know, that's, that's an excellent thing. I think also, I mean, I'm assuming anyway, that these ratings probably don't include like a plus three or a plus seven, you know, for the DVR thing. So maybe, like you said, people caught up and i don't even know how they really calculate these numbers no, anyway I mean, neither do, do i get the info from the cable company or something or do they just <laughs> extrapolate data based on the nielsen people which doesn't make any sense to me but i don't no. know however they do it they do it <laughs> but in other news uh talks of renewal that's renewal with a question mark nbc is still in talks about renewal of constantine so i think people are still continuing to use the hashtag Save Constantine over on Twitter to sort of let the uh, the execs over at NBC know that we really want to see a uh, season two of Constantine and a three and a four and a five. Right. Of It'd be yeah. great to see the show really succeed. But at this point, yeah, we really want to let execs over at NBC know that we want more Constantine. And I, going by the numbers, I, th I think it's looking pretty hope. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, it's it just depends on what they've, what they think they can do i guess i don't know i don't really know what it depends on aside from money well i think they're setting up a, a lot of things quite well here in, in in constantine so it would be absolutely devastating to lose the show after one season so uh get out yeah. there hashtag save constantine i agree let's do it oh look we just got a letter it's from bayou shaman should we open it it's probably about this week's episode yeah here i'll read it give it to me Greetings and salutations, my hosts of Hellblazing Horrors. Another week and another missive from the mystic bayous of Louisiana. Was this week's episode great or what? I really enjoyed this one and put it in the top three. I'll go ahead and rate it before I dig in. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10 Blazing Steve Blazes. Ouch. 
If it weren't for the reliance on too many magic items, I'd have gone higher, but three different items in one episode was a little much for my liking. I am happy to see John bolstering the Millhouse's defense with the duplicity spell, but I admit to being pretty annoyed with Zed and her whining, and that not once did John just say to her, Hey, you left the Millhouse when I told you not to. They found you because you were stupid. Zed finally brings John up to speed on the Resurrection Crusade, part of it anyway. Her actual role has still not been revealed to us, the audience, either. I laughed my head off when we first see Chaz and Don't Fear the Reaper was playing. I don't care how tropey or man manipulative the music choice was, I liked it. And so begins the origin of our Chaz. It was nice seeing Drunk John being a jerk to Chaz. This is the guy I remember from the comics, and I was sure that was a fake sobering spell. I loved that scene so much. As a New Orleans boy, or should I say, as a Orleans boy, seeing Lillian Axe was awesome. 47, no, 48 dead in the club fire, or not. All around, fun explanation for Chaz's extra lives. All of the family scenes with Chaz were excellent and heart-tugging. It should be noted that this episode is based on Mike Carey's All His Engines graphic novel, with Chaz's daughter taking the place of his granddaughter, Trisha, and Faust taking the place of the big bad in the book. Also, Fennel, the medium, was from all his engines and ended up the exact same way. As well as Faust blackmailing John, the big bad in the graphic novel did the same thing, having John get rid of other interfering demons for his assistance. With Zed, we got the location of Faust through a vision, but in the book, after Fennel explodes, the address is burning into the floor. Hmm. John does his thing to get rid of the demon and Faust changes the deal, so Chaz decides to do this his way. After decking John, I think I like Chaz's way. What? The Achilles tendon? As much as I hate overuse of items on this show, that was a cool scene and quite a lead up with Chaz killing himself first. I retract my earlier statement. I love Chaz's way. And we have a happy ending, which leaves me really wanting to see John's sister Cheryl and his niece Gemma soon. Always enjoyed the relationship with John and Gemma. As for my quote of the week, you create magic by accident and insolence. Faust. Until next time, and a happy birthday to you, Tony, Bayou Shaman. Wow, thanks, Bayou Shaman. That was great. Yeah, we'll be sure to pass that along to them. I think so. I completely agree with the, hey, you left the mill house when I told you not to. They found <laughs> you because you were stupid. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe that wasn't brought up. I know. She was just, she was just getting all mouthy up in his face. And I said, well, you were the one who left the mill house. It's your fault. I know. You disregarded instructions. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Great, and it was it was great to uh, hear of Mike Carey's all his engines as well. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know a lot about Hellblazer uh, in the comics. Uh, you know, I'm a big TV guy. Me too. So um, that was great to get a bit of information on on the comic book there from Bayou Shaman. So thank you very yeah. much for that. I know you can be our expert this week since we clearly don't know that much <laughs> about the comics. Yes, exactly. I, know, I think we'll just I leave that to Tony and Joe. They're the they're <laughs> the resident Constantine experts around here. Yeah, I know lots of stuff about other things, but I know nothing about certain comics <laughs> or really most. Anyway. So that was wonderful feedback. Thank you, Bio Shaman. Shall we get into the episode discussion? Yes, let's do it. What was your rating? I rated this episode eight weak heels. And I gave it eight blown fuses. 
<laughs> yes, I th- I thought this was a really strong episode. Um, it's like Bayou Shaman was saying, it does rely heavily on a few mystical things, but I liked seeing it. If there was anything that did annoy me was the use of spells. It seemed that everybody was just conjuring spells the whole episode, but you know, I can get over that. I th- I think it's cool. It's kind of what the the, the show's about, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, yes, the show's about magic, but come on now. You can't just magic your way out of everything. But then, you know, they did kind of address that, I guess, a little bit at the end when, what's her name, Renee was talking to John about, you know, everything comes at a price or whatever. So it seems like they were kind of addressing that a little bit. So. Yeah. But I guess beginning at the beginning, it kicks off with this cloaked figure chanting a spell. And, um, like, a, like a thick smoke emanates from his hands. And then it goes downstairs to a, to a little girl who's playing with her dollies in her room. And, um, the smoke attacks her. And, you know, that was a, a rather bold opening, I think. Yeah. I know that in previous episodes, they've sort of, they're working with this theme of children and, and innocence who are in danger. So for this to be a, a Chaz centric episode as well, to be his child, as we, as we, come to here i think this is a really cool dilemma for for constantine to get involved in yeah i agree i mean they they are definitely sticking with the the kid theme and i mean i don't mind it i think it's it's fine because that definitely puts an edge to the show because most people don't like to see children in danger and when you do that it kind of increases the intensity i guess if you will so anyway yeah no i definitely agree but in the meantime we do get the scene between john and zed Mm -hmm. where she's getting all mouthy in his face (laughs) yeah well i don't i kind of i didn't really take it that way i guess i think that she was kind of just freaked out you know and she thought that she wasn't safe anywhere and she's used to being on the run and I think to her she was the reason why she got caught was not because she disregarded the instructions but because she had stayed in one place too long that's what I mean that's that's the feeling I get from her the vibe I get from her is that she's a a nomad basically always on the run looking over her shoulder but John kind of puts her in her place and tells her hey this is the best place for you to be if you're trying to hide out so just get over it chicky Exactly. I think if she just stays in the mill house, she'll be fine. I mean, people can't just bust in there. It was definitely uh, last week because she had left that they were able to follow her back to the mill house and then attack her. She does let loose a bit of information here. She does say that they are a cult called the Resurrection Crusade. She lets that go. And she does also let go that the leader of this cult is her father, and he he wants her because he believes that she is some crucial part of their cause. Yeah, which we don't know what it is still. Exactly. Because they drop it quite quickly. Yeah. And they cut to to Chaz. Well, I think, didn't, I mean, they dropped it because she said the map was bleeding, didn't she? Oh, that's right. Or was it just because... They were done, re- or she was done talking, and so she looked at the map. I don't know. In any <laughs> change, case, change, she changed the subject. <laughs> yeah, quite, uh, quite uh, adeptly, also I think. But yeah, I love this the whole Chaz centric episode. I mean, we've been talking about at least Tony and Joe have been talking about, 
We still don't really know what's up with Chaz. I think, I guess Chaz isn't, or I, I don't know, but I thought that, well, anyway, I think I'm about to say something wrong, but was Chaz a character in the, in the comics? I believe so, yes. Okay, so then it was Zed that wasn't then. Well, it's like I said, I don't know much about the comics. <laughs> All right. Me neither. Uh, listeners, you can write in and tell us how stupid we were, and that's fine. We can take it. Yep. Send all those letters to Tony and Joe and say, who are these idiots you got to host? That's right. I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. In but any it, case, it yeah, was exciting. I mean, yeah, it goes to, to a flashback and, and we start to, to get Chaz's story. It turns out that he's not actually an immortal who can't die. He just right. has 47 lives Extra in total. Lives. Because John, in a junk, drunken stupor, cast a protection spell on him, <laughs> an ancient one that wasn't supposed to work, and right, it was created it was by Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, almost as soon as John has left the bar, a band comes out, and their pyrotechnics set the whole thing on fire, and Chaz gains all the lives of the people who died around him. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. I didn't really... Well, the first time I watched, I didn't really understand about the whole spell thing because it didn't make sense to me the first time. He said that Merlin cast a spell on the knights, and if there were any lesser knights around, then they would absorb those lives too. And I was thinking to myself, but wait, that guy was dead. But, you know, obviously, thinking about it again, it's they came back to life in addition to sucking the life out of the people around them. I don't know if those people around them had to die also or if the knight just... Thanks for the, you know, added boost and... <laughs> <laughs> like a power-up and... Yeah, and just, you know, <laughs> or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a game of Mario. Yeah. Eat the green mushroom, one up. Yeah, oh, here's my extra life. <laughs> In any case, that was cool. It was, a, it was a very cool, very well done scene, I think. I love seeing drunk... Constantine <laughs> as well. That he has funny. some great lines there. Oh yeah. my, I'm out of here. I got myself a bird. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you know, I mean, I've never, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really know, but it's like he thinks he's whispering, but he's not <laughs> kind of a thing. Like he's, or at least I hope he thinks he's whispering because he's not being very respectful, I guess. <laughs> and that's just his character, the character that we right. Know. Oh, exactly, exactly. But all I kept thinking, honestly, when when I was watching Chaz drive and hearing that song, I kept thinking to myself, I need more cowbell. <laughs> I think that is so ingrained in pop culture now. <laughs> I know. That's kind of funny, but yeah, that song. I didn't even know the name of that song, so thank you, Bayou Shaman, one more time. Uh, no, I love that song. Yeah, it's a good song. Okay, so back in the present, we have Zed and, and John, and they're, they're packing what he calls the essentials. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a, a shaving brush that belongs to Al Alistair Crowley, and the sinew of Achilles' heel, ostensibly. It's a like a piece of rope that has high tensile strength and, and is pretty much unbreakable, impervious to magic. Right, and when I saw this the second time around, I thought to myself, oh, it's Chekhov's Achilles heel, or Achilles tendon, or whatever, because, <laughs> you know, you show it in the first act, you gotta use it in the third act, and that's exactly what happens. And John always seems to pack exactly what he needs. I know. And um, he didn't actually even date that Achilles ten tendon. He just... Well, <laughs> no, he said, though, he said this is one of Chaz's favorites, or something like that. He said, uh, you know, this is... 
uh, one of point. Chaz's tricks or something. So <laughs> he, I think that he was kind of, I guess, maybe bringing that for for Chaz because he didn't really know what to expect, which is why he had that other thing that said, which I can't remember the name of, that said something like, uh, this is what I use when I don't know where to start. And so he had that other thing. Oh, the, the, sh- the shaving brush thing. Yeah, well, and yeah, that and the shaving brush and the, and the Achilles tendon. And then the first thing that he said was, you know, I, oh, I use this when I don't know where to start. Yeah. Remember? What was yeah. that thing? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> anyway, sorry, guys. We're, we really are awesome. Trust yep. me. Just add it to that list on the Facebook. I know, right? Just <laughs> send hate mail to. Just kidding. Don't send me any hate mail. I'm fragile. All right. So Chaz arrives over at his, um, I'm going to say his ex-wife. I don't yes. know. Maybe they just separated, whatever. Renee. I get the feeling there were papers involved and so. Mm, possibly. So, um, Chaz arrives at her house and his daughter is already asleep. He's too late. She fell asleep and, and Renee put her to bed. And, uh, she calls him Francis. Now, I don't, I don't think it's been established that his real first name is Francis yet. So I think this is yeah. a bit of a reveal and he doesn't like it. No, not at all. I've asked you politely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he goes upstairs anyway because he has a present for her and he finds her on the floor, bleeding nose. It turns out she's the little girl from the, uh, the opening scene. Yeah, that was actually a little bit of a shocker. I thought to myself, whoa, what the heck? So it was, it was done quite nicely, I think. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that was an, I thought that was an excellent tie in because, you know, you're thinking, oh, whatever, they're going to go off and help this little girl. Well, when it turns out that they didn't really know about the little girl, they just saw the stuff on the map and they knew that that was where Chaz was, I think. And then he called, I guess, and said, people are, dropping into comas all over the place so that was a uh, interesting i thought yeah and it seems that all the comatose people you know they had they have the same symptoms they're all for for inexplicable reasons in a coma they they seem to lie there with their eyes open and their nose is bleeding yeah so it's it's safe to assume that they're all connected exactly and i guess that's why chaz called john because he had a well i mean you know he's been doing that kind of stuff for a long enough time that he has a an inkling that something's not right. Yes, so. yes. So he shows up at the hospital and he takes out the the little shaving brush, the Alistair yeah. Crowley brush, and he wipes it over her mouth to reveal celestial burn marks. Yeah. Which I guess means her soul was removed through her mouth, which is gross. Yeah. <laughs> but where else would you remove a soul from, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an 8 p.m. time slot, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you better stick with just pull it out the mouth. It's okay. <laughs> but Constantine says that this is the holy grail of black magic. Yeah. Uh, that um, That her consciousness has been removed from her body and they've been separated, so... They kind of got a place to start from. And did, what didn't this happen before, though? They had they addressed this kind of uh, a soul missing from the body in a previous episode. And I guess, though, at that point in time, it was a demon that was doing it or something? Mm. Or was it because it was that kid who was like, they didn't know if he was evil because he was missing his soul or if he was 
right. people already. I, th- and his soul I think that I think that one was more of a possession rather than removing his soul from his from his body. But didn't was it? I don't know. It seems like there was another episode. Maybe I'm just hallucinating, but it seems like there was another <laughs> episode where there were souls missing from bodies. Or I could be thinking about a different show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a last minute thing they just throwed us in well I've got so many shows in my brain it, yeah. that I can't I can't <laughs> always call them to memory and put them in the right place so well, there, there was a previous episode where there was children being possessed by a malevolent ghost or right. the malevolent spirit of a, a, a man who was still alive and I uh, remember and a that murderer. Yeah. but I don't know if they were actually removing souls from bodies at that point he was just possessing them yeah, who knows? I'm probably just thinking of a different show. I don't know. In any case. Yes, exactly. But um, back in the flashback, Chaz wakes up in the hospital to find his daughter, Geraldine, and Renee very happy to see him alive and well. And he is pretty unscathed by, yeah. by you know, having a, a building burn and crash on him. And uh, yeah. considering everybody else that was in the building is dead, he, um, I think he knows that uh, something's awry. Yes. He, yeah, he kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know that he necessarily, like, thought about it immediately right then, but he did go and tell John that it was, um, something was amiss because, you know, John, I guess, I don't know why John thought that he left right away, I guess maybe because he was still, you know, walking and talking, or if he was expecting him to leave right after him because... In that, before everything catches on fire, he's talking to uh, Renee about the little blue teddy that looks better on the floor. So to me, it seemed like he was, he was ready to, you know, ready to bail. He was just waiting on John or something, but then he stayed. So I'm not quite sure why he stayed other than he wanted to see the band. I mean, was the band the whole reason why he was there in the first place? Or, I mean, because he, he said he was going to be right home and he was going to tuck Geraldine in and then that Renee would be next. So I was thinking to myself, why is he still there? It kind of, I mean, yeah, the end result was all cool and everything, but it kind of seemed like something didn't follow. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Maybe he did just want to listen to the band for a little bit. And it was the reason why John cast the spell in the first place was because um, he wasn't sure if if Chaz was right to drive home. You know, he'd had a few drinks. So that's right. why he casts this protection spell, just in case anything should happen. But um, as, you know, as we learn uh, a little later on, John didn't even expect the spell to work. It was something right. he found. It was supposed to be a myth. That was funny. But, uh, yeah, boy, did it work. (laughs) Yeah, and how. (laughs) That was cool. I mean, I like that whole explaining about how he's not immortal and, you know, we finally get the answers of this is what the heck is going on because we're all like, well, if he's not immortal, then how is he coming back to life? I mean, that's only what immortal people do, right? But apparently not apparently you can absorb all the souls of the dead people around you if you have this particular protection spell from merlin it's good to know that we have a, a set number on that so uh i yes. think yes you know as the seasons go on fingers crossed that'll play out uh, to it to its fullest and um i'm sure it'll be very very exciting when it comes around as he gets lower on lives you know it'll build Definitely. suspense for his character yeah 
And we do, I mean, and you know, it's not like an ambiguous number. We know he started with 47 and we know that when he's talking with uh, Faust at the end, he's got 32 until he offs himself. So now we know that he's down to 30 because he had that, the the knife slit and then the grenade. So now we know we have a hard and fast number. Chaz has 30 more lives. So yes, definitely should be interesting. Yeah. So back in the present... Uh, the gang all heads over to a, an army surplus store. They start uh, bagging a whole bunch of free stuff. I know. Well, I didn't understand what that was about. I'm like, is he just <laughs> using his five-finger discount? or Because he clearly doesn't have the friends and family discount. Yeah. I, well, I thought it was funny because they're there to see a medium uh, called Fennel. <laughs> and the reason yeah. they're just stealing all this stuff is because he's asleep. And um, as soon as they wake him up, he, he pops a shotgun in their face and calls uh, Constantine a liar and a thief. And I'm like, well, well yeah. Yeah. So he, was, <laughs> know, he just right? robbed you and you don't know. There's nothing surprising about this statement. <laughs> so it was, I thought it was a great little scene. And I think, I, you know, this is um, a character that he doesn't stick around very long because he, he gets in contact with Geraldine is immediately taken over by this mysterious other. We're going to learn that it's Faust, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a great scene, and he he recognizes John and and says, you know, there's no there's no way you can stop me. Yeah, he he does pretty much lay this smackdown on him and does the whole neener neener boo boo thing. So <laughs> and then sets Fennel on fire. I just know to that was top it off. I th- I mean that was kind of. Crazy, I guess. Jesus. I don't know. I mean, I thought, uh, I don't know, kill the messenger. I guess. I'm just exactly. It's seems... a it's an evil thing to do. Yeah, I mean, if we had any doubts about whether or not this was a good guy or a bad guy, I think they were cleared up right there. Yeah. Or you know, like a a good bad guy or a bad good guy or something. You know, because obviously <laughs> those lines are blurred. I mean, we've got Anne Marie and John who are willing to do questionable things to get the right thing done you know with Henry shooting john and john getting possessed mm. but yeah and um the fact that he uses this spell sort of helps them find him really because john writes it out and then zed touches it and she finds the nearest book that has that spell in it and it leads them straight to to where faust is hiding out at this uh haskins railroad yard yeah that was a little just a tiny bit confusing, I guess, to me, because I didn't really know, I guess I didn't really see John write it down, so I kept thinking, well, where the heck did this spell come from, this random, you know, he just, well, here's the spell that he used, I mean, like, did it pop out after the, you know, I, I don't know, I didn't know where it came from, so I just kind of thought, okay, but apparently. Well, John's, John's just got a real good memory to remember the spell and write yeah. it out, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, apparently so. When so, you know Latin, it's easier to remember, I guess. Sure, yeah, I do not know Latin. <laughs> but yeah, it does lead them to the railroad yard, and I, you know, we get a pretty cool effect of the of the cloaked building, and uh, John pretty much gets rid of that spell quite quickly. He says it's quite a, a simple thing to have up. Yeah. Which um makes me wonder, you know, Felix talks about being this all great black magician who works for himself now. Yet um, he he casts a, a basic cloaking spell that uh, could be broken by anybody. Yeah. Well, and right before that, I was a little, I don't know, I, I was kind of 
slightly irritated, I guess, about Chaz this whole episode because, yes, I understand that his daughter is missing, and yes, I understand that he's freaked out, but in the beginning, it was, you're the only one I trust, and I know you'll do whatever it takes to get my daughter back, and, you know, promise me that you will, and then... John says to him, promise me that you'll do whatever I say. And at this point in time, I'm thinking to myself, why is this guy freaking out, okay? They've just had a series of seriously lucky breaks to get where they are right now. I mean, they're outside of the guy's lair, basically. And they, I mean, they kind of did that with, you know, on a, a, a wink and a prayer or something. It just seemed rather fortunate, like oh, hey, here's this map that leads directly to where we need to go that we found on the ground kind of a thing, you know? It just, yeah. I don't know. So I didn't really understand his his aggression and, you know, let's storm the castle and kill him kind yeah. of a thing. I'm just, I didn't, I was like, you need to just slow your roll a little bit, calm down, it'll be all right. <laughs> John is still, you know, he hasn't given up. John hasn't given up. He's still actively in the hunt to get his daughter's soul back and yet Chaz is like, oh, what are you going to do? And, Get in there and you're not doing everything and you promised me. And I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> yeah, he does it a few times throughout the episode. Yeah, really, doesn't he? a few yeah. times. But the first time it felt like that was really soon. I just I just thought, okay, back off a little bit yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. But, I mean, it ended well enough, but I just thought, why is he freaking out? I mean, I would start freaking out if John had said something like, well, I've done all I can do. Can't find her. Yep. That's when harm. you freak out. Yeah, that's yeah. when you freak out and you promised me you'd do everything you yeah. could. Like, it's like, it's almost as though he, he's accusing John of slacking off or like falling down on the job. And I'm like, don't you see what he's doing? It's not any of those things. And I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of like a puzzle paste. He's got to go from here to here and then from there to here and blah, blah, blah. And it just keeps going. It's going forward. He's getting it done, but. You know, there's a process to doing it. You can't just go in guns blazing, so to speak. Right. Well, you can. You can't just snap your fingers. Although I think they got as close as they could to snapping their fingers and getting it done. <laughs> and that, I mean, that kind of made me think that, that, based on how it turned out, was was their fight real or was it put on? Because you know, he says to him, "You used to take take that guy's gym money or whatever money." Mm. Yeah thing and so i'm thinking well are they really fighting or is this a show fight what do you think I, well, I think they were really fighting it did sort of you know by the end it sort of gave them that sort of trust issue um because yeah. the whole time you know Chaz knocks out john yeah dumps him in the back of the taxi but you know when john comes in to stop him and then realizes what what Chaz's plan is he right. sort of gives him that John Constantine smile and says, "All right, we'll do it your way, pal." Yeah, knock yourself and, out. Um, yeah, and it's sort of I think I thought it really strengthened their relationship as a, as a team, if you will. You know, it seems that the two of them have been doing this together for a while. So maybe Chaz didn't have to knock out John, but you know, in the heat of the moment, he feels like, "Well, John's just going to get in my way, mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah. I'll do that." But at the end, they are they are uh, you know a team, and they work well together. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and not that I don't like Chaz. I, I do like Chaz. I just, and that's kind of, again, I understand his daughter is missing, but it felt really out of character mm. to me because he's seen how Constantine works so long and all that stuff. I mean, maybe I just have to give him a pass because he's stressed out. But at the same time, I thought, you're not really helping, dude. <laughs> okay, so um, what about Felix Faust? 
What do you what, Faust. what do you think of this guy? Um well, he's a jerk. <laughs> and I didn't like him really. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, there's clearly history between them even though John didn't recognize him from the words that he was saying when he had taken over Fennel. He knew who he was and he kind of it seemed like Someone was lying, I guess. Either John was lying about this guy not being really that talented or that guy was just faking it. You know, maybe he's a one-trick pony or something and he's got this one spell that he can do, which happens to be a doozy. And I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting. So Yeah, I I agree. It was um, an interesting character. I know that Joe and Tony have talked about this before in that the character of felix faust actually goes back in the the comic books back to the 60s apparently so he's, he's quite a an ingrained uh, character within the universe but um he's dead now <laughs> well you know is he i, th- I think this is a, a character that they might bring back because after the, he, he and john have that that confrontation john actually does say to chaz that you know, the old bugger's kind of gotten a bit strong. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't want to mess with him directly. I just want to, I want to make, make the deal that, you know, this is what he wants and I can do this for him and we'll get your daughter back. So that they go off in search of this, um, this Carabassan demon. Yeah. That has well, been leeching on his, his power because uh, apparently the demon likes to prey on sleeping victims and, and this is getting in the way of him gaining more power from from the souls that he has taken from from his victims. In addition to that, the spell was broken when he died, so I don't know how that would work if he didn't really die, but he died enough so that the spell would no longer work, at least, at the very least. So whether or not he's going to come back or something, it's a good mm. question. I was a little curious about how he kind of vaporized the two of them because he let a grenade fall right at their feet. (laughs) And so I was wondering what did they have to put in that bag, (laughs) that body bag? I mean, do, and how many pieces did they have and, and how exactly would that work? I mean, I understand if you get stabbed, you know, or drown or whatever, that's easy to recover from, I guess, but having to put back a mist of, John or Chaz mist back into a human body. It just kind of seemed unrealistic, I guess. I don't know. So, well, you know, I think that Faust might be a reoccurring bad guy. You know, I I think he's a, he's an interesting bad guy in that he seems to have delusions of grandeur, you know, it's yeah. John, John says that he was always an apprentice to, to powerful magicians he was always second fiddle if you were and mm-hmm. here he is set talking about how how amazingly powerful he is and that he's working but for himself now right which is a very villainous thing to do you know it actually kind of makes me think of someone like like the shredder from T- teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah <laughs> just hell bent on getting more power and for what reason we're not quite sure <laughs> yeah but i think it's cool i th- i thought it was very good i don't believe that he's actually dead dead and we didn't see a body and you know what they say in tv shows unless you see a, a, you know a headless body then they're probably not dead Right. And sometimes, even then, they're probably not dead. Yeah, exactly. In this show, who knows? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, after that, it kind of got to the confrontation 
right. in the flashback between Chaz and John. I think we've kind of gone over that to its extent there, but it sort of just reveals about the 47 extra lives. And then we, we cut back to um, John and Zed as they hunt the uh, Carabassan demon. It's, yeah. He, he has this little amulet thing that he can look through. To, yeah. to, to find it and i thought it was a cool looking demon it was kind of like a transparent tiger kind of monster thing yeah, yeah. interesting yeah i thought i thought that was cool i what i did not understand was okay so we've got zed and john they've tracked the demon to wherever he is and they prepare for the sending him back to hell thing with the circle and all that jazz. What I didn't understand was why they went off chasing him in the first place. Why didn't they just cut out that step and set the trap immediately instead of trying to find him? I mean, did they want to make sure that he was there? And in which case, go make sure that he's there, but then go back to your trap. Don't try and chase him around. I mean, that didn't really make any sense to me. I was just thinking, why didn't they do that in the first place? Yeah, and um, it was a pretty short scene to begin with you know so they could have just tightened it up a bit more really and just cut straight to luring luring the beast in but uh you know he he manages to get rid of it pretty quickly too he doesn't even have to like banish it back to hell or anything he just pulls out the big cattle prod that he stole from fennel earlier and (laughs) um, electrocutes it to death Death, i guess maybe (laughs) back to hell or something i don't know i thought the lighter not working though i thought to me that's I don't know about the comics, but for the show so far, that's classic Constantine. <laughs> yeah. Thought, oh, of course. Like, did you forget to put lighter fluid in your Zippo? <laughs> yes. But that doesn't, you know, that, that actually works out to the terms of the agreement. Cause he goes back to, to Faust, who says, well, the terms of the agreement were that you vanish it to hell. You didn't actually do that. You kind of just got rid of it. Right. So he and didn't I- even, some, he didn't even send it to hell. Yeah, I thought, and to me, I thought, okay, now he's just splitting hairs because he doesn't want to honor his part of the deal. Yeah. So, again, shady, shysty guy. It made me think of uh, Darth Vader, actually, because mm. uh, Darth Vader says the same thing to uh, Lando Calrissian. Oh, yes. He said, I'm, I'm changing the terms of our agreement. Pray right. I do not change it any further. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, that doesn't work out too well for Faust in this instance. No, no, it doesn't really. <laughs> I think he underestimated the uh, power of a distraught parent. Exactly. We did see in the, in the flashback about Chaz pretty much losing his family over right. um, helping John and, and honoring the people who sacrificed their lives yeah, and that he, he, he carries with him. He kind of feels a sense of entitlement to do that, you know, to, to honor these people by fighting wicked demons with John. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he feels um, a sense of entitlement, but I think he feels more like a sense of duty to do this That's thing. probably a better way of saying it, yeah. Yeah, because he, I mean, he just, yeah. Anyway. He definitely is, he feels honor-bound to do something with all of those lives rather than just kick him back. Yes. Yeah, well, back in, back in the present again, um, we do have Chaz pretty much taking on his own plan. He's, he's sick of how long it's taking John to take on Faust, and he goes Cold and offers... Cold him. That yes. was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes in and, and offers up his 32 remaining lives, including his own. 
Mm-hmm. For the life of his daughter, and he demonstrates that he has these lies by cutting his own throat, taking it down to thirty-one. Yeah, and you can almost see Faust's eyes, and like he starts to drool a little bit. He's like, "Ooh." Mm. <laughs> he sort of uh, he looks down on Chaz too. He mm-hmm. calls him just a just a petty mortal man, and right. it's not not until he, he demonstrates his his. I guess ability, if you will. Yeah. That, yeah, you're right. Faust just starts <laughs> drooling at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many souls did you say? And you can almost see the evil finger, t- like the, you know, when they sit there and they, ooh, my master plan with the fingers and the evil, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> the evil wiggling of the fingers in front of their face and the cackling and the hey-hey-hey thing, you know, anyway. But uh, it wouldn't be suspenseful enough unless we put his wife and Zed in uh, in mortal danger because they've just been sitting at the hospital the whole time. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Zed attempts to, to contact Geraldine even after seeing what happened to Fennel. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out too well for him. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's thrown out and... Um, as she's uh, wobbling around on the floor, Renee finds the address of the uh, the train yard. Yeah, and, and takes off after Chaz. I mean, it's it's kind of clear because her purse spills on the floor, and just I mean, that was kind of I felt like a okay audience look here kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no but, subtlety uh, there. Yeah, exactly. But of course, John comes too, and he tries to go and stop Chaz from what he's doing. But Chaz has it all planned out, and he straps Faust to his hand during his handshake and uh, blows them up. And it's not a pleasant thing for Renee to have seen. No. She, she freaks out. Oh, yeah. She freaks out big time. John's kind of like, why are you having a cow right now? You should... He's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's doing and what Chaz does. I know. This is this is what he does kind of a thing. And and while they're, while they're you know, chit-chatting, waiting for him to, I guess reconstitute uh he says that he something along the lines of that he would take it back if he could but what do you think do you think he would really do that and do you think that he intentionally put that spell on him so that that would happen or was that just kind of a happy accident what do you think do you think he would really take it back you know it's it's a tough one here i know that john has regrets in his life we've seen that it's very evident yeah. I don't think this is one of them because he hasn't really done anything to Chaz. I mean, sure, Chaz may have lost his family and things like that, but it does have that quick part of the flashback where he sort of gives Chaz the choice of whether or not to join him. Right. So I think in, in that respect, John probably feels that it was Chaz's decision to make. I don't, th- I don't think he would have taken back saving his life the way he did, even if it did end in this, these 47 lives that it carries with him. I don't, yeah. I don't think that at all he, uh, he would take that back. I don't think he would either, and not just because of the fact that his friend would die if he took it back, but I think also because, as we have seen in previous episodes, he is kind of a selfish bastard, and mm. I think he sees the advantageousness of this Thing, and he kind of looks at it as a gift and this is great you know we can use this for let's yeah so i don't mm. i don't think that he would take it back <laughs> andy was smoking a cigarette while they were yes. chatting as well which was i know something that they they might feel a bit 
wary about doing with that 8 p.m. time slot, but it is a very signature thing for his character to do, so I'm glad that they're not dropping things like that. Yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, so Chaz, Chaz is fine, and he, he comes back probably about a day later or something. I'm not sure of the timeline there. But he goes upstairs to see Geraldine, who's fine, and uh, starts telling us stories of, of the, the people whose lives he carries with him every day, the 47, which I think was a, a very nice moment. Yeah. That he knows who these people are. He's He's got pictures of them. Yeah, that was definitely cool. And that, to me, again, shows more of Chaz's character in that he is... He's not taking those people for granted, and he tells his daughter that he carries them with him all the time. And I think that kind of shows the difference between John and Chaz. Mm. John would kind of be like, great, and he would probably uselessly, or maybe not uselessly, but carelessly just use those lives up without mm. really considering the ramifications of it. Yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> cool. But the episode does end in, in a bit of a moment for John because Zed yeah. reveals that she has seen his mother and then she says that her death is not his fault. And right. he plays it a bit strange, you know. It kind of seems a bit worrying. It almost seems like he's going to cry, but then he lies down next to her with a big smile on his face as if that that really did make him feel good. Yeah, I think he he was probably thinking... Or maybe he was, he didn't know what to think about that, I guess, which makes me think what happened to his mum. Yes, yeah, so another mystery on the pile. Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. <laughs> oh, and I, I wanted to throw this out there. I don't know if it means anything, but I tend to not take anything for granted, especially lines that seem like they're throwaway lines. Mm -hmm. But to me, this one was way too clear, and I did not really have time to look into it very well. But in the background, when Zed is talking to, or when Zed wakes up and John is talking to her, before that happens, you hear over the intercom, Faustus, room 317. Mm. And I was thinking, huh, Faustus. It seemed like more than just throwaway. Why would they pick that name? Like, why didn't yeah. they just say Smith Room 317? But, I mean, apparently Dr. Faustus mm. uh, was a play based on the German story of Faust, which a man sells his soul to the devil for power. And apparently, according to Wikipedia, it is the most controversial, controversial Elizabethan play outside of Shakespeare. Ah, oh, there you go. So, anyway, <laughs> it's it's definitely, to me, it seemed like it definitely was not a throwaway line, and I'm sorry I didn't have time to research any more into that <laughs> about about Faustus and all that stuff, but... Yes, I'm, well, I'm sure Tony and Joe will probably get into this stuff in the next episode. Yeah, I know that they were really sad that they couldn't do this one because they were, they have been pretty keen on finding out what's going on with Chaz. Exactly. For a while, so. <laughs> so I'm sure that they, they will, uh, give you their take on the episode and, um, get through some of the feedback. And, uh, they usually do the myth adventures segment where they get into the comic book. You know, I think we can skip over that. You and I are by no means aficionados of the comic book. No. <laughs> we prob Not probably. Not lay people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll play the intro music and then say, hey, we don't know anything about Hellblazer, so... <laughs> okay, bye! <laughs> yeah, exactly. But overall, I thought this was a really strong episode. Yeah. And I really enjoyed I it. I liked it. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. I thought there were a few things that I think I already kind of touched on that I didn't really like, which is why I only gave it an 8. But, you know, an 8 is a really good rating still, so... Yeah. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, I think Joe and Tony should be back next week. So um, yeah. it's been absolutely great to, to cover the show for them this week. We're happy to do it. Yeah. And uh, feel free to send your uh, your feedback through on how well or how crap we were. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Make send Tony and Joe way through it. So. Uh, <laughs> com slash feedback. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, do you want to go ahead and just let the listeners know about the podcast awards before we get out of sure. here? Sure. Yeah, we've got podcast awards, which are coming up. And in case you didn't know about them, they are a, a thing held every year at New Media Expo, I believe. And I think it's still at New Media Expo this year. They just pushed it back a little bit. In any case, listeners like yourselves nominate podcasts for the podcast awards. And after the nomination period is over, then you can vote on your favorite. And that is how they are given out. It's basically all based on listener feedback and nominations and all that jazz. So what we are asking for you guys from you guys is to nominate us for a few specific podcasts that we have chosen as a group, I guess, a conglomerate of the Golden Spiral Media community to rally behind three podcasts that we've got. I know that Silly is being uh, nominated for People's Choice as well as... Oh, the, there was the Blacklist Exposed, but... Now, what's um... the other one that Stuff I Learned Yesterday is being nominated for? It's People's Choice and... Oh, something yeah, else. Something. Oh, oh, we're, we're terrible God, we're people. Terrible, aren't we? <laughs> well, all the in, all the information for this is uh, on the website. So if you go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash podcast dash awards, I'm pretty sure there's a, a whole page there on all the stuff you need. How we're, how we're targeting, yeah, because you can't just you can't just say, oh, I vote Golden Spiral Media. You need to pick specific shows. So for the best chance for us to be nominated is to target specific podcasts in a specific category. And it's good to know that you can only nominate a show or you can only submit nominations once per email address. So if you think about a show that you want to submit later on, it's too late with that particular email address. And I think the nominating is open through the end of January or close to the end of January. So you've got a little bit of time. You can, you know, make your selections, think about it, make sure you pick R3, which is uh, the Blacklist Exposed, Arrow Squad, and Silly Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Please nominate us. It is really helpful. It helps us get exposure and it helps us to find new listeners, people who will see the good things that we're doing here at Golden Spiral Media and hopefully support us more. Yes, very much appreciated. Yes. All right. So... I think that's us done. Yeah, I think so. Any final parting words? Well, I guess I'll just say uh, goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. Thank you. Yes, and I'm Ruthie saying never do magic when you're drunk. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Bye. Bye.